and despise falsehood. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 568. It is 9-11-2016. That verse from the Psalms, I hate and despise falsehood, that could be the theme of this podcast day after day. Uh, Whether I'm talking about Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or the things going on here in Albany Park or our nation or or North Korea once a week. Falsehood. The, the, uh, the nation is founded on falsehood. The people are fed daily falsehoods. Let me tell you the story that I just found recently, although it is not a recent story. Kim Byun Jin, I may have told this one before, forgive me if I did, but she tells her story to CBN. This was posted by them, CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, February 2012. Some North Koreans have been able to escape from the communist country and its strict human rights violations. Kim Myun Jin is one of those survivors. 31-year-old was born in Pyongyang, North Korea. Kim's testimony is rare considering the numbers on North Korea. America's CIA estimates that some 24 million people live in North Korea. The best estimate is about 2% or uh, close to 500,000 of them are Christian. Growing up, she said, I was told by the authorities that there was no God in this world. We were ordered instead to worship Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, the leaders of the country in that time. Freedom of religion is guaranteed under North Korea's constitution, uh, they are told, but it's never encouraged. We met every Saturday evening, Kim said, explaining what it was like being a believer in North Korea. My family gathered in the back room of our small apartment, she continued. We had to be very quiet. We whispered when we prayed. We sang songs or read the Bible. We often covered our heads to muffle the noise. Growing up, Kim said she heard stories of how her native city, Pyongyang, was once known as the Jerusalem of the East. In 1945, 13% of the population was Christian. The city was the center of Christianity on the Korean Peninsula. Half a century later, Kim's faith made her a target. Talking about the girl, Kim. My parents often asked me to stay outside the apartment on Saturdays to make sure no one was coming while the family prayed inside. We couldn't allow anyone to know what was going on, she told CBN News. Over time, the meetings grew to include a few friends and extended family. We had one Bible in the house. My grandmother, who was a believer from the Japanese imperial times, had a Chinese Bible. She translated the Bible by hand into the Korean language on pieces of paper. That's how we read the Bible. We found strength in those pages, Kim said. Uh, But soon the authorities discovered that her father was a secret believer. My father was a tailor in town, and the police suspected something was going on, she recalled. We believe they planted listening devices in his shop and on his clothes. 1994, police discovered that Kim's father was operating a secret underground church. 
They raided the house, arrested him along with an uncle, and both men likely ended up in one of the six labor camps dotting North Korea. The day my father was arrested, I was at school, but I'll never forget that day. He hugged me before I left for school, and like every other day, he reminded me to be careful, Kim said. Every morning at the breakfast table, he would tell us that one day the government will come and arrest us for being Christians. He warned us of the price we would someday pay for our faith. I remember him saying often that even if I face death, I will follow Jesus, she added. Some 200,000 prisoners are being held in political prison camps in North Korea. An estimated 30,000 of them are Christians, and those estimates vary wildly and widely. The regime is routinely cited for human rights violations. Wo Dae-chun is a professor of law in South Korea's Handong International Law School. They, that's North Korean Christians, are treated as criminals, especially as terrorists. They are prosecuted based on national security crimes of North Korea, he said. A video obtained by CBN News shows what's believed to be the execution of North Korean Christians. I hereby declare that the accused is sentenced to death. The death penalty must be executed at once. Ready? Fire! Fire! A man in the video says. Kim doubts that her father is alive today. Everyone knows what happens when government agents arrest Christians in North Korea. They never make it out alive, she told CBN News. I know my father is in heaven and he's praying for North Korea and my family, Kim said tearfully. Kim's mother, grandmother, and siblings managed to escape to the mountains. In 2005, with the help of a Chinese pastor, she crossed the Tumen River and defected to China. Her family followed months later. It was a difficult decision. I knew that if I got caught, I'd be arrested and sent to a prison camp. But my family defected because we were being persecuted in North Korea for our faith. Today, Kim is married, has a baby boy, and lives in Seoul, South Korea. I am very proud of what she did. Her family has gone through a lot over the years. She's a hero in my eyes, said Kim's husband, Jung Hyung Shin. Kim is quick to brush aside those compliments and instead gives honor to the man who laid down his life. I grew up in a land where they said there was no God, but my father told me otherwise. He loved Christ, and for that he died, she said. Kim has a dream to one day go back to Pyongyang and share this love with the people of North Korea. We're getting ready for that day when the doors open, Kim said. Okay, that story was originally aired February 11, 2012. Wow. I watched today, as perhaps you did, the images, the, the entire uh, rebroadcast, actually, of what happened 15 years ago today by other enemies of our country. And you understand that even if our country did not have enemies, we as Christians always will. That's the promise. It's not in your promise box, I'm sure, as you read a promise from God every day, but it's still the truth. In this world, we will have tribulation. We will have trouble. Trouble, not just physical illness and things like that, but trouble. Persecution. You will be persecuted. You'll be hated by all nations. Jesus said it. I'm talking to 
effective Christians who are listening to me. If you happen to be a member of a church somewhere, I'm not talking to you. That's It's not about church membership or being a good person in the neighborhood. Thank God for people like that. I'd rather have a good neighbor than a bad neighbor for sure. But talking about people who are out and out for Jesus, they, they take a stand, they, they get the word of God out, they will suffer persecution. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We do have enemies. So be strong, be strong, and uh, understand that just as uh, Islam was able to come over here and start its takeover of our country, declare war on us, we've had a little trouble declaring war back, it seems, but uh, the, the war is on. The war is on, but it's far greater than than even the Islamists know about. It's much greater. There's a, a satanic force that's always been in the earth that wants to destroy the true people of God and anything in terms of righteousness that, that is connected to that. To destroy America, why, we are the Jerusalem of the world right now in one sense. I mean in the sense that there's more missionaries going out from here than anywhere. There's more churches here. There's such, a, well, not more than China, but percentage-wise anyway. And we have the publishing houses. We have so many things going on for Jesus in this nation that the devil would love to destroy the country. You thought it was other reasons. Maybe it is. Maybe it's because of the sin of the of the nation that God is allowing this to take place. It could be a combination of things that the, the Lord uses the enemy many times to get his purposes accomplished. But uh, we have we have some forces that are working against America for sure. What's going to happen? We need to repent. All Christians need to repent. But even then, we're still promised persecution. I hope you're ready. We have a few more minutes today. Let me go back to my Hackberry House, Volume 1 book, published several years ago, which just uh, puts together about three or 400 stories about North Korea, articles, historic facts, and so on. Here's one called, In Whom Do You Trust? Now, in your research for North Korea, as you grow deeper and deeper in love with this nightmarish land, you're going to inevitably, inevitably begin hearing conflicting reports and wonder which is true. For example, David Hawke says in The Hidden Gulag, quote, In 1988, the North Korean ambassador to the United States, United Nations, I'm sorry, wrote to the Minnesota Lawyers International Human Rights Committee that violations of human rights do not take place and are unthinkable in North Korea. 1994, an official publication, The People's Korea, proclaimed, There's no human rights problem in our republic, either from the institutional or from the legal point of view. North Korean diplomats at the United Nations in Geneva continue to deny that there are any, any violations of human rights in Korea. Hawk goes on to list sources that say the opposite including his own detailed research. He documents the wholesale denial of fundamental rights and freedoms and points readers to the 1988 Minnesota Lawyers Human Rights Watch Report, the annual human rights report by the U.S. Department of State, various reports by Amnesty International, 
and Human Rights Watch Chosun Journal, Chosun Journal, the Network for North Korean Democracy and Human Rights, Citizens Alliance for North Korean Human Rights, the annual White Paper on Human Rights in North Korea, and so on. Believers will want to add to that list the findings of Christian organizations like the Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors that continue to list North Korea as the place where in all the world Christians are most oppressed. Seems like that's enough evidence that we're on the right track. Wouldn't you think so? Um, the next article is uh, Japanese Occupied Korea Turns Against the Church. We've been doing some history here. In fact, we've been following the, a Hefley, book by Hefley called By Their Blood. It's a history of the church in Korea. And before Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il came the Japanese stranglehold of Korea. Failing in some of its more brutal attempts to smother the church, Japan in Korea, saving face before the world, tried more subtle approaches. Ordinances forbade any religious instruction in mission schools. Classes in these schools had to be conducted in Japanese. No more Christian schools could open without a permit, and preachers had to be, quote, licensed. But licenses were very hard to obtain. And so many regulations caused some institutions to shut down altogether. March 1919, Koreans rose up against the heavy-handed oppression. Now, they took to the streets in several major cities, announcing their desire to be free. The Japanese resurrected their brutality at this time. The Japanese burned mission schools and churches to the ground. Those admitting their faith in Christ were killed on the spot. Pastors and other church leaders were rounded up by the thousands and put into jails that reeked and froze their occupants. Torture abounded. The great Pyongyang revival at the turn of the century had prepared the flock for decades and now a century of difficulty. Yet the church lives in North Korea to this day. Only in eternity will the entire story be told. More details about the Japanese cruelty later on in my book here. Uh, there's no end to it, is there? No end to it. Lots of things still going on today. Things not too long ago, things a long time ago. Folks, it's a 2,000 year story, not just in North Korea, but all over the world. Hated of all nations. I've given you today a fulfillment of prophecy. Some of you love prophecy. Well, here's one. A fulfillment in your day. Uh, I hope that you'll be ready for it to come to your house. Who knows? Why not? Why do we think it cannot come to us? We've watched just this day how a nation can, can fall in a very short time. Be ready. Be ready. God bless you today. Tomorrow we'll get back to Fanny J. Crosby's story and Mr. Bradbury that you'll want to meet. Remember Psalm 119, 163, and may it be your verse too. I hate and despise falsehood.